My professor told me this story while I was in college to emphasize the importance of teaching a solid recall. I'm going to tell you the quick story, and then we're going to break down exactly how you teach a solid recall. What are the steps? What are the key concepts that you need to understand? But first, let me start with this story. My professor is standing on the side of a highway. Yeah, side of a highway. And his beautiful golden lab was supposed to be searching for somebody, but went across the highway instead. They ended up in the middle part. Now, if you don't know what I'm talking about, on highways and parkways, at least in Long Island, in New York, we have this nice section of green grass. And the dog thought that the person must be in the green grass. So they got over there, stuck in the middle, and my professor had to do something. Because if the dog started searching for somebody and accidentally went onto the road, never having been hit by a car before, didn't think there was a problem. It never got scared because it was a confident search dog. It wasn't scared of a car. It had never been hit by one, right? Learning through experience in this case would not have been a good way to do it. So my professor's standing on the side thinking to himself, everything that he's done over the past 40 years, how do I get this dog to come back? You know, these things happen. These accidents happen. So he understood the importance of a recall. But he also understood the importance of practicing everything at a distance. So he was able to get the dog's attention. And I'm going to tell you the rest of the story later on. Because of how important it is, I want you to stay tuned. I want you to listen to how to teach your dog to have a solid recall. you got to understand these things. So I hope, I hope you stick around for the end of that story. It might be a good ending. It's a good ending. All right. So if you don't know who I am, my name is Michael Aceta. I'm a professional dog trainer. I've trained over 12,000 dogs. I've worked with police dogs, service dogs. I've worked in the industry for about 10 years. And I'm the author of the Dog Training Cheat Codes, host of the Acknowledged Dogs podcast, and founder of Matador Canine Brilliance and Matador University, where we provide educational content and training for dog owners so that they can be exceptional and their dogs can be reliable and safe especially with the recall. So here are the four things. I know. You got to teach one thing to teach a solid recall, but it's really four things. I'm going to give you four things instead of just one. You have to have consistency. You have to be consistent. If you're not going to practice every single day, don't practice. I know that sounds terrible, right? But in reality, if you want to get good at something, you have to practice every single day. It needs to be part of your culture, part of your daily routine. And with your dog, they are masters of routine. If you only practice one day out of the week on a solid, perfect, absolutely picture-perfect recall, and the other six days of the week, it's lazy, what do you think your dog's going to go to when you need them to respond? What they practice more of. That's a six-to-one ratio. The odds are stacked against you in that case with lazy, lazy recalls. That's not what I want. I want my dog to respond perfectly every time. And on the off chance that they're lazy, it's still better than if I had done the inverse, right? If I'm out and my dog's practicing constantly, okay, the recall's got to be perfect. The recall's got to be perfect. The recall's got to be perfect. And the one time that I need them to recall, and they're slightly distracted or they're tired or whatever, and they're a little slow, that's still better than them never doing it, never doing it to 100%. And when I need them to, they don't even listen. Which would you rather have? Practice, 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 and when you need them to recall, a bear is chasing them, they run to you a little bit lackadaisically, or they're always running to you lazy, 
and the one time you really need them to, it's important that they do. It is life-changing that they recall to you. You want them to not listen to you. Which would you rather have? I know what I would rather have, and that's why I train recall every single day. So you have to be consistent. Not only consistent with the practice, but consistent with the expectation. And I want my dogs to come straight to me, sit, and wait for me to grab a hold of them. I don't want them to run to me, circle around, and then go back doing what they're doing. Or run to me, stop 10 feet away from me, now i got to go chase after them, and that becomes a game. I want to do all that. And you shouldn't want to either. Your dog should be perfectly running straight to you, stop in front of you, pause, and look up at you, wait for further instruction. You can tell them to go play again in a second. But i got to have full control of the entire picture. Not just the consistency of practicing, but the consistency of the expectation of what I'm practicing. So set that up, write that down, practice exactly what you want it to look like before you move into step two. Step two is using different cues. Now there's some controversy on this and some trainers will say one thing and some trainers will say another thing. Different cues keep things at a higher level, especially if you just happen to be someone who's lackadaisical and that's fine. Remember what I said. There's a, a level of consistency that if I have that, it's okay to be lazy once out of every seven days, right? So with the different cues, I might have a sharp, sharp recall cue here. You go from point A to point B as fast as humanly possible. Streamline your process to me. Now, if I say, come on, that's more lazy. That's more relaxed. And I can teach those as two different things, two different expectations because there's two different cues. Oftentimes we use one cue, and what I mean by cue is the word, we use one cue for many different actions, right? So I could say, come, and run over, but then I could also say, come here, or come over, or come on. Those are all the same thing, even though I'm adding on that last little uh, suffix, if you want to add it a suffix, even though I'm adding that on, what ends up happening is my dog only hears the first part. This is commonly the problem when people say sit, sit down, sit over there. The dog just hears the sit and starts to do the behavior and then gets confused when you get mad at them. So we have to be as clear as humanly possible. I like to pick words that are one syllable, max two syllables, roll over, right? lay down. Those are okay. Not sit down, but lay down would be all right. Go relax. That's another cue of mine. But oftentimes, sit, down, box, heel. Foxes go to your crate, or I'll even say crate to my other dog. Right? Middle. Middle. That's a two-syllable word. Okay? So use different cues for what your different expectation is. The more relaxed cue, come on. Or here. Right? What do I want? Do I want my dog running directly to me, landing right in front of me, perfectly structured? Some people even use a different language, German, Dutch especially if they're going to be doing bite work or some kind of competition work like that. So you have your relaxed at home. We're not working. We're not doing competition. And then I want the competition to be perfect. So I'm going to use that word specifically when I want you to do it the competition style way. Okay. Now, number three, how do you stay consistent and how do you control the expectation of the behavior? You use a long line. Okay. You use a long line. If you ask for the recall and you don't get it, you encourage them to do it as best as you possibly can. Now, sometimes I'll reward a dog, and sometimes I won't. Not just in general, but when I ask for something and I don't get it. I look at what's going on in the environment. How was my dog doing previously to this repetition? 
And if I reward what I just saw, will I get more of it or can I improve the behavior? So if my dog's 10 feet out and I recall them and they don't respond and I use the leash to guide them to me, if I rewarded that, what would I be rewarding? Would I be rewarding not responding to me? Would I be rewarding needing me to prompt them to come to me? I'd be rewarding them being distracted. I'd be rewarding them for ignoring everything I need them to do. So I would not reward in that case. Now, if I call them and I go to reel them in and they start to run towards me and they actually beat me before I can really reel them in, meaning they're getting to me faster than I can reel them in, then maybe I'll reward that because they started to make the choice. They were just late. I can then improve on that, right? So am I, what am I rewarding right now? Is it going to be better for me later on or is it going to cause more problems? The first example was going to cause more problems. Oh, well, I'd accidentally be rewarding my dog for ignoring me. That goes against everything else about engagement, about trying to get my dog's attention and keep it. It goes against all of that. So that's no good. But if my dog's slow or my dog is uh, not responding as quickly, I can encourage the response by rewarding them more and more. And so that they want to run to me, that they have to respond at least a little bit. Okay, so you got to use a long line for that. The other thing a long line does is keep your dog safe in environments that aren't enclosed. So if you're going to be in an open field, you got to have your dog on a long leash. Regardless of how their recall training is going, you should have them on a long leash for a very long time. We can phase the long leash out. Right? I could slowly take the leash off. I could cut it in half. I could cut that in half. And I could get it to the where the dog just has a little tag on. And they don't realize that they don't have this long leash on anymore. That goes into prompting and what your dog understands as a you know, external stimulus or criteria. Right? The long leash is involved in the recall for right now. And if we took the leash off dramatically, I just take the leash away from my dog, we've changed the entire picture. I know that might be difficult to understand. You're like, well, I, all I did was take the leash off. Yeah, how often do you take the leash off your dog and they start running around your house like a crazy person? They run around like a chicken. You take the leash off, zoop, they're out. Go to the dog park, do the same thing. They'll sit, right? Oh, man, they're ready. They're jazzed up. You tell them to sit, they sit. Once you take the leash off, they're gone. Can't have that happen when you're trying to practice a recall. And there's no way, once they take off, you're going to be able to recall them back. It'll be very, very difficult if that's their mindset. Oh, the leash comes off, I run straight, straight out of there. So with the long line, you got to practice weaning it off at some point. Now, when people practice weaning it off at some point, a lot of people jump straight to an e-collar. I want to talk about the e-collar. The e-collar. It's an equine collar right there. <laughs> I want to talk about the e-collar. Some people call it a shock collar. I do not use them. Have I? Yes. In the past, I've used them. I understand them. I know how to implement them in an effective way. But what I have learned is that the use of an e-collar or a tool such as that shows that you cannot proof the behavior without it. Not that it can't be done, but the person using the e-collar can't. So here's how it is. The first three, consistency, using a different cue, using a long line, teaching a solid recall, has to come first before an individual were to implement an e-collar anyway. So if a trainer says, hey, we're going to put this e-collar on your dog, we're going to teach it recall, the answer would be, no, we're not. I'm going to go find another trainer. I'm going to go work with Michael over at Matador Canine. So 
what ends up happening is individuals will put an e-collar on the dog that does not know a recall, and they'll start trying to use the recall, the, the e-collar, to teach the recall. What this does is puts more stress on the dog and stops them from enjoying the recall. Now, if you went through those first three steps and your dog understands how to do the recall, to really, really love doing the recall, and you've proofed it around distractions and in different environments, you wouldn't need the e-collar. But people jump to the e-collar because they are unaware of how to do all of these things effectively. If they're unaware of how to do it, they can't do it. Right? If they can't do it, they're going to cheat. And I say cheat because they're, they're cheating the dog out. They're cheating themselves out. What happens if the e-collar breaks? What happens if the e-collar isn't charged? Whatever it is. I don't want to become reliant upon an e-collar, and I don't want my dog to become reliant upon it either. Dogs will, just like with the long leash, the long leash, the long leash, just like the long leash, they're going to become dependent on that feeling of the e-collar being on. I do not want to be put in a position where my dog does not listen because I did not have a collar on them. I want them to listen because I put in all this extra effort, this work, this practice, and it's become a natural part of my dog's life. Now, if you're wondering, okay, well, how, how do I go about teaching any of these things? I've got you covered. In the link in the description, I've created an obedience course. It's over 100, 100 videos. It's absolutely massive. It demonstrates, it educates, and it guides you through every single step of the training process with your dog. You are left wondering nothing. You also get a workbook to guide you through the process as well to check off and make sure you're hitting every single target so that you can actually get results. This isn't just, oh, here's a YouTube video showing you how to do this. No, no, no. No, 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 no. This is everything. This is the 90% that YouTube fails to teach you. Okay. So if you want to take advantage of that, click the link in the description. It's an obedience course. It's matadorcanine.com slash obedience, matadorcanine.com slash obedience. All right. So getting back to the story from the beginning. My professor was on the side of the road. Somehow this dog got across the highway and is in that middle section of grass. Now, this is a large middle section of grass. Thought the person was over there. Now, this is not a busy highway, but it's busy enough to get your heart pumping. So the first thing my professor did was had to get the dog's attention. Had to get the dog's attention. If he doesn't have the dog's attention, he can't tell him to do anything. Now, this is why it's so important to teach name recognition. Right? If I say my dog's name... I got to get their attention, then I can tell them to do something. So if I were to say hawk, he'll look up at me, and I can say sit right where he is. And that's exactly what my professor did. So the dog's name was Muffin. It's a very cute golden retriever search dog. He goes, Muffin! And he's flailing his limbs. He's getting super animated and excited so that the dog looks over at him. And he goes, Muffin, down! Muffin drops right where she is drops and he's looking at her i know this game what game does she know she knows the recall game and she loves doing it but she also knows that she can't go yet because she was told to down this is the practice of obedience this is the importance of obedience and having this type of control at a distance so he says down she drops down i'm excited she thinks she she did something fantastic right maybe she found the person she just didn't see him whatever it is Stopped what she was doing. She dropped down. She was waiting for her recall cue. Her professor was able to get a couple people to kind of block the highway. And yes, they blocked the highway. And he was able to recall the dog when it was safe to do so. 
dog beeline straight to him. He pulled out her toy, and they played a whole game, put the leash on. Fantastic. The dog lived. The dog survived a situation of getting stuck in the middle of a highway. How many of us can't even have our dog focus and pay attention to the front yard? Right? Now, I'm not bashing you. I'm not saying that what you're doing isn't good. You're clearly learning and trying to educate yourself. But I want you to think about what's possible. So many clients that I talk to, dog owners and trainers that I talk to, didn't realize the freedoms that come from a fully trained dog, the benefit that comes from not having to worry about every single situation you go into. One of my favorite things to hear, I was just talking to one of my clients the other day. She said, I'm so hard on my dog because I want him to be perfect. But when other people pass by, they go, oh, man, look at that dog. That dog is so well-behaved. That dog is great. You're doing wonderful. That dog is perfect. She's like, no, it's not. This dog's crazy. <laughs> but it's because she's put it at such a high standard because she knows what's possible. And I'm glad that I got to be a part of that. I've shown her what's possible, and she knows what her dog can do. And the general populace is absolutely blown away by it because of her hard work. Not because of my hard work. I've done my hard work with my dogs and other dogs. But she did the hard work with her dogs. So shout out to her. You know exactly who you are. You know who I'm talking about. But if you want to take advantage of the obedience, if you really want to take advantage of obedience, you have to practice it daily. You have to know what you need to do. You have to be effective in doing it. You have to be consistent. Right? It always goes back to consistency. And you have to set them up for long-term success. You can't just say, okay, I'm going to train this for this week, and then I'm going to you know, give up on it. No. If you know anything about behavior and how it's structured and habits, you need long-term reinforcement. And we go over that in the obedience course. That's part of the course. How do we extend and maintain these behaviors for long periods of time? Not just while I'm practicing. Not just in the month that I practice, but the year that I practice and in the dog's life. That's what the obedience course is designed to do. That's what it's supposed to help you with. That's what obedience in general is supposed to help you with. So if you do want to take advantage of the obedience course, click the link below. Maybe it'll be on sale. Who knows? When you get to the page, maybe it'll have a sale button. But guys, I want to thank you for listening to me. I want to thank you for taking the time to learn more about a, a recall and how you can really effectively use it. Consistency, using different cues, the long line, and do not fall into the trap of using an e-collar. You have to teach those other things first before you even get to the e-collar. So get rid of the e-collar and learn how to teach a reliable recall first. Learn how to teach a reliable recall for a long term and around distractions, and you will never rely on the recall again with an e-collar. Thank you guys for listening. I have said my piece. <laughs> I've, I've, I've given you as much information as I can, but if you have more questions, put it in the comments. Connect with me on social media, and I'll see you guys next time.